like to say good evening. It's good to be here with you. My uh, son Tommy, when I we were talking a little bit uh, a couple of days ago about me coming out here, he said, well, at least you know some of those folks out there. It's not like you're walking into a place where you don't know quite what to expect. I am happy to be here with you. Uh, Brother Den- Dennis mentioned that uh, we've been coming out to Maranatha Bible School for, for a number of years, quite a number of years. I still remember that first night when we walked into Maranatha Bible School, had no idea what we were getting into, never been there in our lives before, walked into this little old school, and, and uh, we had hurried to get there because of Y2K. Y2K was happening, it was 1999, December. They told us to get there by the 31st because we didn't know everything was going to blow up on the New Year's. Nothing was going to work anymore and we were going to have to shelter there in the chapel, I think. The uh, series that we want to be talking about this week is titled Walking Together. And it's based on um, relationships and getting along together and learning to do relationships well. I was just meditating a little bit, just sitting there on the bench before we, I got up front here and uh, thinking about the things you can change and the things you can't change about your life. There's so many things you would like to change, but you really don't have the power to change that in your life. But your relationship, the way you get along with people, is something you absolutely can impact. It's your choice how you will relate to people. It's absolutely your choice. You're going to hear me say that throughout the week. It is your choice in how you do relationships. One of the things that has impressed me, been impressed on me recently is the rise of social media in our relationships. We have, I want to ask for how many of you have 500 friends on Facebook? Lots and lots of friends, supposedly, through social media. But what I'm being told through actual surveys is that we are getting to be lonelier and lonelier people. More and more isolated. We are more and more uh, time spent by ourselves rather than in, in a relationship with someone else or some people. Um, How many friends do you actually have? How many friends do you have that you can go to in a crisis? I've asked myself that, and it just scares me a little bit. When I look around, I said, Sam, what if you had a real crisis in your life? How many people would actually care about that? That's when your relationships are put to the test, is when there is a real crisis in your experience, and... Who's going to come to your side? Who's going to rally with you? God said from the beginning, it's not good for man to be alone. But as I mentioned, the the data are showing that people are more and more alone. People who have no social life are 50% more likely to die early than those who are well connected. So the lonely man living by himself, who is not doesn't have a friend in life, he is likely to die earlier. Don't know why he's by himself. Don't know why, he's, why he has lost his connection. Um, but he is, he is impacting his very life by the fact that he is all by himself. Bert Okino, the professor who led the research at the universities of Utah and North Carolina, said, friends and supportive people can encourage us to have better health Practices, see a doctor, exercise more. They may also help you directly by making you feel you have something to live for. Professor Yukino went on to say that the emotional support people receive from those close to them who can help put their problems into perspective. By having a secure relationship and feeling loved, says Yukino, people live much more secure, calm lives. So what I'm going to be doing tonight is actually as an introduction to the series this week is to be promoting relationships. I'm going to be talking up relationships to you tonight. I'm going to try to sell you on the fact that your relationships 
are very, very important. The way that you relate to people is one of the most important things that you can impact, that you can actually uh, impact or change. The title for this evening's uh, message is Relationships are a Good Investment. Relationships are something that we should invest in. Gary Smalley says that relationships are everything, the rest is just details. Your relationships are everything in your life, the other stuff is just surrounding detail, that's all it is. As with most investments, the more that you put into them, the more you will get out of them. Now, investments of money can sometimes lose money anyway, but investments in relationships will have a good return. And we have a very limited amount of time, limited amount of energy, and we need to choose wisely where we invest our time, our energy, and and money, and other things that we have. Where, where are we going to invest those, and what are the what are the returns going to be? For them, I'm here to recommend relationships as an investment. I don't know if you find yourself this way, but I, I had to consider myself a while back as, as, as I looked at relationships. And I, I found that I didn't really think about them. They just happened to me. I was there, somebody else was there, and somehow we related, okay, and we had a relationship. And that relationship for most of you started when the doctor grabbed you and, and you met your mother and father for the first time. That, you set up a relationship. Um, people are there. God is there. They are there. And there's some type of re- interaction that's going to take place. Relationships... I would encourage should be something that we think about, that we consciously invest in. A background scripture, the scripture that we'll use tonight for a text, I guess you could say, it's a a, uh, thematic couple of verses. I'm taking them from Mark chapter 12, verse 29 to 31. They would be in other Gospels as well. Thank you. Mark 12:29 says Jesus answered him and the context here is a scribe was asking him which is the greatest commandment Jesus answered him the first of all the commandments is hear O Israel the Lord our God is one Lord thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength this is the first commandment and the second is like namely this thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself there is none other commandment greater than these So what Jesus is doing here is reaching back into the Old Testament and grabbing the great commandment out and and, and establishing it in the New Covenant and saying this is the most important thing that you can do in life. This is absolutely the most important thing that we need to be listening to and doing in life. And that is first to love God. We're to love God. We are to love God with all our heart, soul, strength. And our neighbor as ourself. This is what relationships are all about. This is the focus of relationships, is to, to love God first and then to love our neighbor. So one of the best guides to relationships, the command to love. There are three parties in the relationship picture in this, in this, um, scripture. There are three. There is God. There is ourselves, and there are other people. And that is going to be our basis for relationships is God, ourselves, and others. We need to love God. We are to love others as we love ourselves. I have a couple of questions to at the outset to, to begin our pondering tonight. And I hope that one of these questions will, will hit you. Um, right where it where it matters. Um, some of you do well with these, others do not. So I'm just going to ask them to, to, to begin our thinking. Are my per- interpersonal relationships a big deal? And I won't ask for a raise of hands. 
but I'm going to do an imaginary one. You do an imaginary one. Is you, are your relationships a big deal to you? Is it really, is, it, is the way that you relate to your wife, the way that you relate to your children, the way that you relate to the boss at work, are they a big deal or don't you care? And I am going to try to convince you that if they are not a big deal to you, they should be. They should be a big, big deal. Probably one of your big priorities. They are, in a way of speaking, the only thing that you can carry on beyond this life is your relationships. You're going to take your relationships with you. Your relationship with the Lord. Your relationship with your family. The people you led to the Lord. The people that you impacted by your life. The people that you were friendly to and it caused them to be attracted to Christ. These are the kinds of things that you are going to take with you into the next life. The second question to ponder is, what relations... How do I respond to a breakdown? What relationships are the most important to me? Um, how do I respond to a breakdown in a relationship? Boy, I'd love to have somebody say this evening how you respond to a breakdown in a relationship, but I won't. It becomes a very personal thing. How do I respond when my relationship with my wife has a bump? How do I respond? How do I respond when I have a real problem with somebody in the church? How do I respond? What, what do I do? And, and uh, you know, depending on your inclination, many of us run away and hide. Many of us just kind of dismiss this thing and, oh, well, it's not really a big deal. Others of us are very sad when a relationship is broken down? Good question to ask yourself, though. What do you do? How do you respond? This is where you come in, and this is the way you impact your relationships. What is the key ingredient in a good relationship? We want to talk a lot about that this week. Subjects like walking together is the the overall theme. Talking together, walking humbly, walking closely. Walking in love, walking peacefully, calmly, things like that. Why are people, okay, in a relationship, what difference does it make that I am a Christian? Do you relate differently from your neighbor who is not a Christian when your relationship is having... um, a problem or when you sense a problem in your relationship. How does my understanding of others impact my relationship? Okay, we want to move on then to the importance of relationships. And we're going to move here quickly. I have uh, a lot of material to cover tonight. I don't want to hold you very late. And yet I don't want to rush over too much. Relationships impact us personally. The, the, our relationships will impact us personally. Number one, they impact our happiness. I venture to say that your relationship today, as you walked out the door, the, maybe those of you who are married, your relationship with your wife, how well you are getting along, how well you're relating together is impacted your, the way you felt today, how happy that you felt today. Have you ever had, and again, don't answer this, had an argument with your spouse or someone else and, and went off to work and you just felt bad all day? You just, you just didn't, things were just not right. Things were just not right. And you just, you're like, oh man, what's she going to do? When I get home, am I just going to have to walk up to the door like the old farmer and open the door and throw my hat in first and see what happens? Relationships are probably one of the largest factors in our happiness. 
People can be contented with very little possessions, very little... You get the picture of an older couple maybe who is later in life. They don't have all that much, but they they are sitting calmly together. They are relating well together. And they are so happy. Number two, relationships affect our outlook on life. A positive outlook, a negative output. Outlook. Um... Some of the great uh, church fathers had some real struggle with relationships and they ended up being kind of dark in their outlook on life. Uh, the one that comes to my mind right away is Martin Luther. Martin Luther is, was a, uh, had a very tumultuous relationship in his marriage. And uh, he made the comment that if I were to get married again, I would carve me a wife out of stone. I would make someone that I could relate to better. And his wife was a nun. Did you all know that? His wife was a nun that they snuck out of the, out of the, uh, places where nuns live. Convent. You got it. The convent in a pickle barrel. They delivered pickles, uh, salt, pickles to the, to the convent and then they emptied them out and they, they squirreled away, I think about a dozen nuns. And one of those was one that uh, Martin Luther married. Charles Wesley was another one. They have packed our health. Relationships impact our health. Fewer health problems with good relationships. Relationships are a good investment. Okay, a few basics about relationships before we go further. And I want to give credit to a, uh, a book. And if you are interested in this subject, I would... I would really recommend this book to you. It's called The DNA of Relationships. Um, it is a... Uh, Gary Smalley is the author. And I think his son Greg maybe has helped him with that book. I'm not sure. And uh, The DNA of Relationship. What are relationships? How are we wired for relationships? And I want to make some points that he makes in that book. Number one, you were made... For relationships. You were designed by God to have relationships. You were not designed to be a person that lives by themselves. A hermit, person who is a hermit in a cave, he is not living up to his design. That was not the design that God had in mind for a person to be off by themselves. Uh, it's in the DNA. He makes the comment, we can dismiss the importance of relationships but God put a need for them in our DNA. We can choose how we relate, but not whether we will. Some of those relationships are not so good. Others are, are good. Okay, the relationships that we have are with, with others. Um, and uh, I'm using tonight an inter, uh, intersecting or... I mean, that's not the right term, circles where they are joined together, the overlapping, overlapping might be the correct term, between God and self and others. And those three people, those three entities are, are very, very interrelated in the way that they impact our relationships. First, with others, um, I think the first interpersonal relationship probably that happened was when Adam woke up from his nap, right? Up to that point, he had only had animals to relate to. And uh, when uh, he came there and his wife was, uh, he discovered his wife, I guess, um, he started a relationship. For us, it was our parents, our school friends, our youth group, our church, our work. Uh, these are the relationships that we start out with. You're designed for a relationship with God. And this is also not optional. This is not an optional relationship. People say that they don't, they dismiss God and they don't want to relate to God at all. But God, uh, they will have a relationship with God of some type. It will typically be an adversarial one if they haven't made peace with God and God has not uh, redeemed them. 
But God wants to relate to us. And thirdly, we relate with ourselves. This may be a new concept to some of you, but how, what is your relationship like with yourself? Do you have a good relationship with yourself? Now that sounds almost heretical, doesn't it? Uh, but it's, it's a fact that uh, we do relate to ourselves. And we relate to ourselves a lot depending on how we view ourselves. How do we see ourselves? Um, do we see ourselves very negatively? Do we see ourselves, are we always critical of ourselves? Do you find yourself calling yourself names? You think that's good? I'm not sure. I call myself names. Are you silly idiot? Every once in a while, it's like, you dummy. Or worse. I think that a healthy relationship with ourselves involves us seeing ourselves as the way God sees us. The way that God sees us is not with rose-colored glasses. He sees that He can see right into ourselves and He sees us the way we are. And of course, He sees us with love in His eyes. And we, as we see ourselves as, as people that God loves, I think that impacts the way we see ourselves and, and, and being honest about ourselves. That is a huge part of relationships is to be willing to stop for a minute in a conflict perhaps and say, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I am wrong in this. I am wrong. This is my fault. I, I, I am the problem here. Or uh, vice, vice versa, I have done the best I could and I will not allow you to, uh, to demean me or make me feel bad. You can't make me feel bad. You are made with the capacity to choose. It's a very basic part of our relationship structure. Someone walks up to you and does something to you, you immediately have the ability to choose your response to that person. They cannot dictate to you how you will relate to them. In fact, Jesus taught that when someone does us wrong, that we are to repay them with good. And no, we are, we are there with that capacity to choose our responses to, our responses to other people, to God and to ourselves. We always have a choice how we respond or we react. Many times we want to change other people. You catch yourself in a relationship like that. If I could just make her do this differently, then everything would be beautiful. How many, how many times does that work? How many times can we change the other person? Not really. We, we, are, we are there to take responsibility for ourselves. We must take responsibility for ourselves. If only we could get some adults to accept that. They've grown up all their lives just blaming our parents, blaming our spouses, blaming our boss or others at work, blaming the president for the ills that are there for them. Okay, we want to change gears just a little bit, and I want to spend just a few minutes talking about relationships as a ministry. Ministry through personal relationships. I, I read a, a book a while back about uh, sharing Jesus without fear. And I think if you're like me, a lot of you struggle a bit with ministry through your personal relationships. I sat on a plane this morning and I debated whether I should talk to this man about Christ or not. I sat there and debated. We had a very nice conversation. He was a, he was a Sunday school teacher. He was a good Baptist from North Carolina. And 
I just, I just let it go. I, you know, I tried to press on him some things, but didn't actually ask him if he was saved or not. I, I, I know what he would have said. He would have said, yes, he was. But did you know that the largest impact that for Christ will happen between you and one other person? The largest impact for Christ doesn't happen from the pulpit. It doesn't happen through Sunday school. It doesn't happen through special meetings. It doesn't happen through all these other programs that are very good to do. But the largest impact for Christ comes through interpersonal relationships. Seventy-some percent of people coming to Christ, 76% of people coming to Christ is what the statistics would show, came there because a friend led them to Christ. A friend showed an interest. A friend showed that they cared. A friend promoted Christ to them. And they got saved. Our greatest ministry as a church, yes, the other outreaches... I'm not trying to denigrate them at all or, or say we should slack up on them. But is when you are out there, you are the front line in the church. You are the, you are the spearhead. You are the contact people. And you, the, 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 the people that you talk to are going to be impacted. How many times does it take for someone, the average person, to hear about Christ before they get saved? I, I, I couldn't chart that, but they say seven times. And you may be number one, you may be number two, you may be number number six or even seven. And that is just what it takes. That's what God is using you to impact people through a relationship that you've developed. At work, maybe. Uh, at the grocery store. In a, in a old people's home. Or it just doesn't anywhere where you impact people through relationships. Okay, a few things on the quality of relationships. We can have good relationships or bad. Some we had a choice in, some we still have that choice. Probably one of some of the most important decisions that we can make. Good relationships promote godliness. And for you young people, I can't stress enough that the relationships that you develop out there, those people that you hang out with most, these are going to impact you so much through the relationship that, that you have with them. Um, and it, it's for us as well as, as, as older folks. But uh, good relations promote godliness. We gravitate toward those we associate with. And those relationships will impact each other. And the opposite is true. Bad relationships lead us downward. The scriptures talk about that quite a bit. Bad relationships lead downward. Do not be misled. 1 Corinthians 15.33 Bad company corrupts good character. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, come with us, let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privately for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as those that go down into the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in thy lot among us. This is the influence of evil. My relationship with God impacts or affects every other relationship. As I commit myself to God, as I yield to God, all my relationships are impacted. My parents, my siblings, my friends, my relations with the opposite sex, those in the church, secular relationships, casual, job-related, and so on. Worldly relationships are based on selfishness. I don't know if you've noticed that, but I am more and more convinced that the, the, the curse of our relationships in this country and probably around the world is, is because of selfishness. You've got to do what feels good. 
is the message that's out there. And that is, of course, the original sin of Adam and Eve. If I feel angry, I'm going to shout at you. If I'm going to sulk, if I feel grouchy, I'll take it out on you. That is based on selfishness. Selfish relationships look at every relationship in the light of what it can do for me. I want to stand up for my rights. And I want to reciprocate what others do to me. And it it spawns a whole generation from generation to abuse that goes on with selfish relationships. It's a it's a formula for for misery. Where do we find God's standard for relationships? Well, first of all, I'd like to say we find it in the examples in Scripture, examples of godly men and women. I think of someone like Enoch. The Bible says that he walked with God. He had a close relationship with God. He walked so closely that God took him. I think of Joseph, who uh, forgave his brothers uh, when they had uh, injured him, rejected him. Think of Ruth and of David, people who exhibited uh, God's standard for relationships. The other standard that we get is the teaching of Jesus in the Gospels, Matthew 5 through 7, the, the Sermon on the Mount, um, a new concept of doing to others what you would like them to do to you, a lack of retaliation, returning good for evil, unselfishness in our relationships. And then there's Jesus' perfect example. It reinforced his teaching. There's a letter of Paul and Peter and others where we can find uh, a lot of instruction relating to relationships, things like marriage, things like submission, things like uh, children obeying your parents and things like that. It's a standard that works. It's been proven down through the ages. Salvation is a relationship. I uh, come into contact with quite a few people who, I don't know if it's as strong out here in Minnesota as it would be in Virginia, but we have we deal with a lot of Calvinist teaching among our locals. Are the Lutherans Calvinist? I don't remember. Anyway, they... Uh, we deal with that a lot where they say, well, I went up front. You know, Sam, I had one young man tell me at work, a guy I was working with, I said, you know, he said, I, Sam, I know I'm not living right, but I went up front one day and committed my life to Christ. And that is the magic formula that saves me. And, yeah, it is the start of a relationship, but it, but a relationship with the Lord is when I continue in that relationship, when I uh, respond to what He asks of me, when He knows me and I know Him. Many, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in Thy name and in Thy name have cast out devils and in Thy name done many wonderful works? Then I will profess unto them, I never knew You. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Either we know Him or we don't. He made the first move and we respond to him or we don't. It's a uh, it's a father son child relationship. We honor him as our heavenly father. Sometimes our earthly fathers were stern or harsh or loving or forgiving, God is always loving and forgiving and stern and sometimes harsh as well. There are requirements for my relationship with God. There's trust that needs to be built. There's commitment that needs to happen in my relationship. Um, When conflicts arise, when feelings aren't there, there's obedience that needs to be carried on even when I don't always understand. There's sacrifice. 
that's involved in my relationship with God. And then there are the rewards in my relationship with God. Many, many rewards. I don't know if you remember the night when you received Christ or the day. I don't know. I always think of the night. I was a scared 10-year-old. And I was under conviction of sin, big time. And I had an older brother who led me to the Lord. And all of a sudden, there was in that relationship a peace that I'd never experienced before. And that relationship with God is then begun and it is a, in a, a, uh, a relationship that is continued. There's joy, there's security, and there's power to live good earthly relationships that develop out of our relationship with God. Okay, my relationship with God impacts my earthly relationships. Number one, it changes the way I look at other people. Paul says, so now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so, so no longer. It changes the way I look at people. When I meet someone, what do I think? I'm walking down the hallway somewhere and I see someone. What is my first thought about that person? Young man, and you're walking down the hallway and maybe there's this uh, indecently dressed woman. What is your first thought? I wonder if she's a Christian is what it should be. Does she know the Lord? Maybe a quick prayer in your lips saying, God, you know, work in this, this person's life to bring them to you. I don't look at people. I should not look at people the same as I used to when I was not saved. I look at people as, as, God, as people that God loves, that God cares about, that need Christ. It changes the way I look at people. I see myself better as I develop a relationship with God. I see myself more honestly. I see myself through God's eyes better. Number three, my responses to other people are tempered by my understanding of His way, of the way that He would respond to people, of the way that He relates to people. Number four, His love is in my heart. And number five, His Spirit constrains my actions. So these are some of the principles, the basis of relationships that we discussed tonight. And I want to end this evening with a bit of a talk about how we can start investing in relationships. Let's make this practical. And the first investment that we need to do, and the one that sometimes is, is very hard for people is that we need to invest in understanding. Become a student of the person you are relating to. Guys, become a student of your wife. Men, become a student of your wife. Try to understand where she's coming from in situations. You know, it, it can be, I've heard the comments, I'll never understand that woman. I will never understand that guy. I will never understand them. They just, they just make no sense. And then we give up. We give up. And we just walk off. Well, there's no use. I'll never, I don't understand where they're coming from. They, they don't make any sense to me. And that's where the investment comes out. It comes out where I, I make myself a student of that person who I need to relate to in a, in a really good way. I become a student of that person and I, and I try to figure them out. It's, it becomes a matter of interest, you know. Now what is it that, now what is it that, that she needs? What is it that, that, that pushes her buttons, if you will? What is it that I can do that, that, will better our relationship. And some of you get into conflict and you just want to do the other thing, right? Push the other button. 
right? The one that goes boom. And some of you know very well what those buttons are. I want to talk about that one night when we look at closeness, the, the, the different buttons that people push to get a reaction out of someone. And uh, it, it becomes a uh, real problem. So, first of all, there's the difficulty in understanding. I think that we recognize that there is a real difficulty there. Um, and uh, I could use the example of the sinner woman that approached Jesus. The Pharisees looked at that woman and they had no clue. They, they just judged her as being a, a sinner and a terrible person and don't let her touch you and so on. But Jesus could look right there and see that this is a person who is, is full of love and repentance. And was willing to look beyond the surface. He could see beyond the surface. And that needs to be our goal as well. Look right down into the heart and see what's there. And gain a better understanding of the other person. Some of the choices that we have in understanding, we can give up. And I won't ask for a raise of hands of how many of you have given up on a relationship. We could just give up and say, there's no use. I'm out of here. There's no use. I'm through. That's it. You go your way. I'm going my way. I'm taking my football and I'm going home. I'm not playing anymore. The only problem is I'm already at home, okay? (laughs) Don't give up. Don't give up. This is my exhortation to you with relationships. You don't understand. They don't make any sense. Don't give up. Don't give up. The second one that's probably one that you've engaged in that I have to pretend to understand would be another option. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I got it. You don't. You don't understand. But it's an easy way to... to, to, uh, to get out, get away from there. And I, this is not a marriage seminar or anything of that nature, but I will just say that if if you haven't been there, I know I've been there. All of a sudden, my spouse starts reacting to me in ways that just don't make any sense at all. Just don't make any sense at all. I'm hurt. And I'm put off. How in the world could she do that? Or how could he do that? How could he act like that? And we we tend to crawl into our own little shell, depending on our personality. We tend to just 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 clam up, get out, just okay, be that way. And we give the old silent treatment. We give we do whatever avoidance we can. We go on our own little way. We live. In a, we're not divorced, but we are, kind of are, in a way. We have kind of withdrawn. It's, it's, it's something that requires a lot of effort at times. We need to try. The relationships that we treasure are at stake. The well-being of those we relate to is affected. The spiritual well-being of the church sometimes is affected in this case. We just don't we don't understand. And the rewards are more than adequate when we make the effort. I have observed something in in some people and it's something I need to really learn is to sit down and just talk. How many of you find that difficult just to sit down and, and, and talk it out? Just sit down and take whatever time it takes. Just sit down and, and don't you don't give up. It's like all one of these all night sessions in Congress. Okay, you just got to talk. You guys keep talking. As long as the guy that's up front sits keeps on talking, nobody, nothing else can happen, right? And I got to tell you what it's about. I, I have a son who I who had a difficulty with a week ago. And he called me up and wanted to talk to Dad. I sat on that phone for three hours. I don't know if we broke through or not. I don't know if you come through with that or not. 
But I'm here to tell you folks that we need to try to understand each other. We need to invest in those relationships that are important to us. And these are the most important things that you will ever accomplish in life. Folks, I'm telling you, I don't care what size farm you have or how much money you end up with in the bank or investments that you have. I don't care. It doesn't matter in the end. It's whether you can, you can work things through with your family, good relations in your family, good relations with other people that you work with. Those good relationships are worth the, all the investments that, that you can make. I'm going to go hurriedly through a few uh, uh, advice things. Hindrances to understanding others. One is a critical spirit. And I'm not going to have time or take time tonight to to enlarge on these. Um, but a critical spirit, for obvious reasons, just causes people to clam up. If you come to someone with a critical spirit, they can sense it in a heartbeat and they, they, they will clam up. They are not going to respond. It's, it's judging people. It's, it's, it's uh, making them feel threatened, if you will. Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye when you have, a, you have a log in your own eye? The second one is a proud heart. You've got a relationship that's in trouble. And you approach it with, you're wrong, I'm right. And you better get straight. What, what chance of success have you got? It, it's nil. It's, it's pretty much nil. You're not going to achieve anything with a proud heart. Proud heart of, of taking, looking down on other people. Why dost thou judge thy brother, Romans 14 says, or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Set at naught means to, to treat with contempt or to, to despise. A proud heart will certainly get in the way of understanding. Number three, a lack of concern. Just don't care. I don't care enough to try to understand my brother. I'm going my own way. If our paths cross and it's convenient to go together, we'll do it. Otherwise, I don't care. I have enough problems of my own and to spare without getting involved with other people's problems and trying to understand them. I simply don't have the energy to worry about other people with all that I have going. These are things that you would hear. I'm opening myself up to a lot of grief. Lack of concern is a huge factor in not solving relationship issues. What are some helps? We'll go through these just one after the other. What are some helps to understanding others? If we're serious about relationships, what are some helps? Number one is gentleness. I'm going to share a story that uh, Gary Smalley shares in his book, Love is a Decision. He's talking about his young son, Greg. And he says this, he says, about a story about a young son, Greg, who broke a household rule to never do body screams when the father was on the phone. It happened one day during an important phone call to a distinguished person. Greg screamed loudly in the bathroom and then came into the bedroom and kept on screaming in spite of frantic gestures and a shove from his dad. His dad apologized to the caller and hung up as quickly as possible. He then proceeded to administer punishment to his son. He described in the book how he felt his son's spirit closing up. Fortunately, he realized there was something going on that he didn't understand. He gently pried out what was wrong and found out that he had wounded the spirit of his young son. Greg had fallen and hurt his ear in the bathroom, and then when his dad pushed him away in the bedroom, he heard it again, and then his dad spanked him. By gently reaching out and asking for forgiveness, the healing process could begin and the relationship could be restored. So the first thing is when you're going, if you're going to develop understanding and rapport with someone, uh, 
Gentleness is in order. Gentleness. Don't go in like a bull in a china shop. You're going to break a lot of expensive china. Go in gently. Go in prayerfully. Number two, transparency. It's helpful being transparent about your own issues. Don't be hypocritical. Understand that you also have issues. Acknowledge those. And when people sense genuine, genuine, genuineness in our, in us, in our spirit, and in our relationships, they will open up to understanding. Ask forgiveness if you've done wrong. Number three is pliability. That means doing unusual things to bring on a relationship, help us to understand. I could tell the story tonight if there was time of Cornelius, of Peter going into Cornelius and something he should have never done under normal circumstances. Number four, wisdom and discernment from God. Ask for it, constantly ask for it. How to approach a person, when to approach a person, when to speak, when to be silent. Working through a difficult church problem at home right now. And uh, I don't know how many times I heard in our old ministers group as we get together, God, give us wisdom. God, give us wisdom. We need wisdom. Because the promise is there from God to, uh, to grant wisdom to those who ask. And he, he will give that to us. Number five, patience. Continue trying. Take time to listen. Take time to understand. Make repeated attempts. Okay, that's going to wrap us up for tonight. Um, I guess I'd like to leave with you in this opening evening just a sense of how important it is for you to invest in relationships. How important it is that the effort that you put into your relationships, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your child who you can't understand, whether it's your parents, whether it's a church leader that's rubbing you the wrong way, whether it's whoever, the boss, uh, the, the investment that you put in relationships will pay back handsomely in this life and the next. And it's something that I would just encourage you, as I do myself, to, to invest in those relationships. Make those relationships a real priority. I'd like to close in a kind of an unusual manner. Dennis gave me the permission to close however I wanted to. Um, I'd like for you to stand, if you commit to investing in your relationships. Stan, if you want to make a commitment tonight to invest in relationships. If you don't, just stay seated. You want to make a commitment to invest in your relationships. I am going to make some investments in relationships. I am, I am committed to, to my relationships with God and with my fellow human beings. And I, I, I think God will very much bless you. Show me our heads for prayer. Closing.